and welcome to the rather exciting latest instalment of Running Down Corridors. I'm Martin, and joining me this week, I've Abby. Hello. And Chris. Hello. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good. Tired. Yeah, fine. But other than that, all good. You've had a you've had a busy day, Abby. Yeah, I've had a busy couple of days. Um, I'm more brain tired than physically tired, if that makes any sense. Um, yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my son's off, and I edited an audio in a, a whole hour and a half audio in two days. So my brain's just like, nah. Oh wow. Check out now. Early night. <laughs> you deserve oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> And now you're talking to us. Apparently. Yeah, you get the, then you get Martin's message saying, are you free at eight? <laughs> yes. Uh, Chris, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not bad. All getting ready for Christmas. Yeah, enjoying your wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just uh, like Echo Falls uh, or other brands are okay as well. Uh, peach and mango thing that uh, my wife, Liz, uh wasn't bothered to drink and today really is its last day so i said just well do it. it's just saving the pennies i'll, do it. I'll drink it not letting it go to waste yeah I, I i don't waste food either that's why i'm about three stone heavier <laughs> you're saying, doing um, in, all, in all fairness I, I did say like my my i live with my <laughs> mother and she made the mistake of storing the cider for christmas in my recording studio yeah oh no that's a mistake <laughs> that is a mistake yeah. <laughs> like abby where's all the cider gone mm. <laughs> did we get any <laughs> so we have to do another shot we have to do another shot that's <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the same with all the chocolate we've got in for christmas for some reason it's gone and now my clothes don't fit mood <laughs> uh, don't you hate it when you put your clothes in the wardrobe and then the wardrobe shrinks them yeah such oh, a it's horrible Oh, yeah. Sorry, Chris, what were you going to say? Yeah, just a fat joke about myself, but carry on, it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that Ben Cock, I mean Cook, I mean, uh, oh, hang on, hang on, what's the name? <laughs> ben, ben Cock. Yeah, Ben Cock's been uh, causing a bit of ruckus. Yeah, yeah, he's been quite the cook, hasn't he? Um, I mean, Cock's been a massive... He's um, been stirring the pot, man. Do you mean, I, what amazes me is how it's taken a bit longer for people to work out how much of a complete bell end he is. Mm. I mean, I don't think Clive Swift was a nice guy in any sense, but I mean, <laughs> so he's got that to it, but I still think that Ben's an ass. He's just always been this confrontational asshole online with some superiority complex that make, because he's got close connections to Russell to Davis and, and the production team and other things. And, you know, he did head the time team that eventually they actually got rid of because most of the people were his mates. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and um, it just amazes me that no one's thought clocked on, thought you're a bit of a knob end. I nearly punched him at Fort Park once. Oh, that's a story yeah. That. yeah, we won't go into it here. <laughs> End of story. Yeah, You're just yeah. I feel, I feel like it's a lot a of people feel asshole. that though. To be fair, so I don't feel like you even need to explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, we we should explain what it is. Is the lady that voices Janice Goplin in the upcoming Christmas special? She tweeted about how excited she was that the Goblin song was going to be in the top forty UK charts, and he sent back a series of really condescending tweets about how she wasn't going to be in the top 40 charts. The charts don't work like that. And then the Goblin song debuted at number four 
in the top 40 charts on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Right back at you. Now, firstly, what the fuck? Uh, That song shouldn't have made it anywhere off the ground. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's, I, 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 I was... I don't know what I was expecting. I think everyone went in thinking Magic Dance, Dance from Labyrinth, and uh, we all heard what it was. And um, I don't know. I, I've, it just proves that Russell's a better scriptwriter than he is a lyricist. <laughs> uh, and uh, you don't like the song about baby scones? Do you, do you know? What? I saw someone actually have a go at like tr- really take that bit seriously. Like, oh, so on Christmas Day we're gonna have, a, 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 some, you know, we're gonna have a song baby about scones. eating babies <laughs> on Christmas. How how horrible is this? Cancel the show. Cancel. Oh, cancel. Can- and I was just, like, I was like, sit down, shut the fuck up, <laughs> and stop clutching onto these straws. You're like, he's basically holding on by a pinky finger uh, on, on on different things. Come on, shut up. If that's the worst thing that has ever happened in Doctor Who, you, <laughs> you're fucking deluded, mate. Um, so, you know, let's not forget like mass mass genocides and things like that. Because, oh, yeah, baby. Thing. I think basically what you're saying is, pal, is that you are just don't like how the show's going. You don't like uh, the news, anything new. And you're just basically clutching at any straw to say, oh, this is disgusting. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a- <laughs> Let's wait until some more of those 70s actors die out and we start hearing stuff about them. Oh, yes. Because yes. <laughs> there's a few <laughs> tales that are going to come out and people are going to see this show in a whole new light. But anyway, we've just finished the third of the 60th anniversary specials. Have you both felt special this year? It's a bit of a personal no. question. <laughs> well, that's what we do here. <laughs> The last one, actually, I think I ended up having to sleep on it to come to a decision. Interesting. Uh, essentially, which is something I don't think should happen with a TV show. <laughs> you, you know. Go to sleep um, and ponder. Kind of. I sort of come out at the end, I turned to my wife and we both went, hmm, not, not sure on that. Not sure on that. And then I had to do my uh, video review on TikTok as uh, Len the the taxi driver and which is basically just essentially me hitting record while whilst parked driving and then parking and stopping the camera again but throughout <laughs> that time i'm sent i just have to highlight that because uh my wife questioned whether i was being sensible um <laughs> no laws were broken making these videos um but in that time i ended up uh, what i do in all the all of them is there's no script i just basically run off and try and sort of get bits out. So I record essentially a 25 minute thing and I cut down. And in that time, I'm basically rationalizing what I want to say. And, <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, and I'm going through it and I'm th- saying things like what I didn't like. But then I end up coming to a sort of a rational acceptance of it. It had to come to that really for me to go, actually, that wasn't a bad idea. <laughs> I haven't felt the love this anniversary year and it's not that i haven't enjoyed the stories individually or collectively i just don't feel like i did with the 50th and i can't place my finger on why i think it's because the specials had nothing to do with the 60th yeah i I, (laughs) like when you put them all together it didn't feel like specials it just felt like a mini series this could have gone out next year yeah i feel like they should have um 
just done the, the toy maker story and just spread it over three stories. I would agree with that. Before before we get into all of that, let's talk about viewing figures. Dun dun dun. Oh yes. The overnight for this story was four point sixty-two million in the overnights, and it achieved a seven-day consolidated figure of six point eighty-five million. That's quite a decrease, isn't it? Over the last few, yeah. Considering um, with the twenty-eight day consolidated figures, Star Beast has now hit nine million. You'd expect you wouldn't expect it to take twenty eight days or you know longer than that for people to give a damn. Like um, it, it, the numbers are going, they are going down each one. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, if you compare this to Day of the Doctor that had an overnight of twelve million, the the days of Doctor Who getting anywhere near ten million are long gone. We're never going to see that. I mean, the decline started in the Peter Capaldi era. Sorry to go on about it, but Doctor Who fans like to pretend it was only Whittaker and Chibnall. But those viewing figures started to slide in Capaldi. They started to slide when Moffat was tired and out of ideas and going through his own personal struggles with his marriage and, and whatever. But the the days of Doctor Who getting 10, 11, 12 million, they're done. It's never going to happen again. The best we can ever hope for is about 4 million. Yeah. Which worries me a little bit because that just feels like it's basically the same people watching. It oh, might it be a small percentage. You know, that's the problem I had with it back in Capaldi's thing was its it was audi- its audience was his existing fans, which isn't right. And obviously, these ones, I'm hoping that Shooties might potentially launch in a different direction because it's a new start. There's no baggage, and hopefully, it can you know take off again. But I don't. I don't know. I. I don't have that same sort of feeling as I did before. I. I. I people always say viewing figures don't matter. It's how things are viewed these days. It's all different, and there's an element of truth to that. But you know, when the fact is that even on the seven day figures are still dwindling, mm. it just you know you're not keeping people, and it's not necessarily appealing to new people as much as people like. And that's what happened in 2005. That's why it worked. It wasn't the case that a, bolt, a bunch of people who just regularly refreshed the uh, the BBC cult page of Doctor Who, you know, just tuned in and managed to save its viewing status. It was a case that new people watched it and was like, what is this? And it's going on. But who knows? Maybe because this was the 60th year and was hyped up as such, it was only going to attract the certain clientele. And then maybe, maybe shooties will go in a different direction. I mean... Disney's certainly starting to brand and uh, promote it a bit more for the uh, the Christmas special more than they have done these specials. So maybe that's the intention. Who knows? I think so, because this is clearly very much a jumping on point. And we got to bear in mind yeah. that Disney Plus doesn't have the previous series. So they've got these three specials and whatever follows. So, yeah, it makes sense that they would heavily promote the new Doctor, new series, call it season one. Bam, just go in there. I get that. I agree with Abby's earlier point that the free specials should have been around the toy maker because I don't feel like we've yeah. got enough time with Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, no. No, he's only in about four scenes, I think. I don't think we got a credible threat from him, really. He he just poses a minor inconvenience at best. And the last, like, 20 minutes, we kind of forget about the whole world being in jeopardy and it's just avengers tower 
that's that's in trouble. And yeah. I get why they did that. That was so they could like completely seal it off and, and they could hide the by generation and stuff like that. But I just think it's a shame that he didn't pop up. It maybe if like one of the unit soldiers in the background of the Star Beast had been him. And then we'd had a little bit in episode two where he was there as well. I I just think it's a great shame we didn't get more of him because he's in this for what, 15 minutes? Literally, like they could have had, even if they just wanted to do what they'd done, if it at all kind of led on to, like mm. the fact that everything that the Doctor had done before the eventual reveal of the Toymaker was also like part of his puzzle and part of his game. But there, that wasn't, I don't understand why that wasn't a thing because that would have been the logical thing to do. But the more I think about it, the more and more Wild Blue Yonder just feels like a filler episode. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't get why it was there. And I watched this documentary about Russell T. Davis just now on the iPlayer. And he said that he sometimes comes up with characters and scenarios and dialogue like 20 years before he uses them because he doesn't know how they can fit. And Wild Blue Yonder to me, looking back, now just feels like one of those ideas he had in a draft folder in his mind since series four that they couldn't make. Mm, yeah, but now he's got the money to do it. Yeah. I want to say, I think Neil Patrick Harris was incredible. He stole oh, this. Oh, so good. Yeah, he was excellent. Absolutely brilliant. He's brilliant. But there's nothing in his performance that couldn't be the master. No, no, there wasn't. Because uh, all he really does that's menacing in a set, uh, the sequence where they go into his sort of realm, it's too short. So, I mean, they could have had a whole episode with them stuck in that realm. Yeah. And it made you sort of think, well, what was the point of him dancing in the beginning bit? There's an audio called Solitaire. I haven't heard that. It's Charlotte Pollard and the toy maker. And it is literally just her in the shop and she can't get out. She keeps trying to leave and she just keeps ending up in the same place. And that's oh. essentially... She's stuck in that one place, the whole thing. And they could, let's say, if they'd kind of done an extension of that and just made a whole episode where, like, going through all the different doors and losing each other and getting attacked by creepy, scary puppet things, like, they could have done a 40 minute episode of that easily. Yeah, you'd expect more of the sort of the toys to have been around as well in the, like, in, well, on Earth, just walking around the streets and things like that. See, I listened to the commentary. Because I'm sad. The toy maker was like a last minute addition. That makes sense. Originally, it was supposed to be just be a creepy puppet. Oh right. <laughs> it was supposed to be a creepy puppet. I think it was supposed to be a creepy puppet of David Tennant. Oh. Yeah. But that was probably too similar to the previous episode. Yeah, and then somehow they somehow they decided on creepy puppets and Mel before they decided on toy maker. Do you know what? I loved Mel in this. Originally, they wanted to have Stephen in it. Oh, God. That would be a weird choice. <laughs> Purely yeah. because he was in the original. That's the only uh, reason. No, no. Nostalgia bait. Yeah. I did, but Mel coming back is a very weird choice, I think we said before. That's such a strange character to bring back. But I do like the fact that they used her computer knowledge because they never even spoke about it in the series. <laughs> yeah. like they, they, they used it in Big Finish, but on the show, it's just like, can you scream in this octave? Yes, well done. You've got the job. Oh, she's incredible in Big Finish. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, she's the companion equivalent of Colin Baker for me. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I haven't actually listened to many of her ones like that. Oh, she's good. They do her justice over there. And I'm hoping 
if this bloody unit series is actually going to happen, that mm. they flush her out in that. Well, this felt like a kind of backdoor pilot for a unit spin-off. I thought at the moment they put the robot in, I thought, right, you've set up something here. Yeah, <laughs> people want to know about this robot now. And you've given Nick Briggs another paycheck. <laughs> I'm sure he's not complaining. You're putting Daleks on the back burner, but uh, Nick needs those those uh, royalties. <laughs> so if we get a unit spinoff, we're going to get a talking robot. We're going to get Gemma Redgrave and Ruth Madeley being pieces of wood. And we're going to get the only actress in the thing being Bonnie Langford. I will say this, though. I really like Ruth. I think I think she's really good, personally. Purely because purely because she's in Big Finish as well, and I hate her in Big Finish. Me too. <laughs> but in this, I kind of like her. I've kind of from I think just I think I saw some interviews with her where I've just put me off her. Yeah. So it's kind of that. But to be honest, I don't think she's too bad in these stories. Um, in in the specials, I'll tell you actually what amazed me was how. <laughs> Gemma Redgrave acted for the first time as Kate Stewart in this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought she actually bothered. <laughs> there was like there was performance there on her face and everything. I was like, this is great. When she did the spike test thing, lost her mind and things, I thought, blimey, she's she's doing it. She's doing it. She's the one <laughs> she's she's finally proving she's a redgrave. <laughs> As the token bisexual lesbian here, I have to love Kate. It's kind of in my repertoire. Oh, don't get me wrong. She's hot, but mm. I just think she's <laughs> a plank of wood. I'm seeing her as kind of a military position type person. Right. I, I very much see it as this is Kate at work, you know? That's a good way of looking at it. I feel like she goes home, kicks her shoes off and has a glass of wine and then, you know. That's actually a really good yeah, I do feel actually. like this is Kate at work. That's a good point. We haven't seen any other side of Kate. Yeah. She's got her unit military head on. And trust me, I know what it's like to have to have the whole kind of like a different personality when you're under that kind of you like mm. military persona. That's how I personally see it. I would like to know where the bloody hell Osgood has gone. Uh, she's got off with uh, the guy from Pointless. Yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, she's just at home listening to a load of uh, facts from a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? Yes. Yes, Richard. <laughs> yes, Richard, I did. Shut up. <laughs> I loved every part where it was David Tennant and Catherine Tate. I think the way they handled Wilf's exit was, it was sensitively done. It was crap, Martin. It, it was crap, but there was no other way they could really get around it. They did the best with what they got. They, they got him shooting moles at the end. <laughs> the scene with him in the wheelchair, where they deliberately had the camera higher up than the actor in the chair, did make yeah. me giggle. And also, yeah. you know, in the back of shot, when you can hear, when you can hear him going, "Go with the doctor, go with the doctor." It's from Poison Sky. Yeah, Penny laughed at that. No, they, it's a shame that they couldn't have put him in more, or at least for that ending scene, at least. Yeah. But. But yeah, they, they were sort of stuck stuck in a place. It was a very random it. way to have him exit, though. I feel like they could have done something a bit more. I don't know. He's back up on the hill looking for aliens or something like that, rather than oh, you know, he's in the back garden shooting moles. You know, <laughs> a lot of people had issue with that, but I took it to be that he was shooting the moles because they had force fields. 
Oh, no, I thought he was genuinely trying to kill them. <laughs> this is the man who struggled to get the gun get out. Get off my lads, you little blighters. Didn't make any sense to me, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't get that. Also, also, somebody pointed out, a, a non-Who friend fan of mine. Friend, that's not a sentence. A non-Who fan who's a friend of mine, there we go, <laughs> pointed out that when Mel appeared at the end, they were like, oh, yeah, your family. And then they were like, oh, this is uh, this is um, Uncle Doctor and that's Auntie Mel. So it sounded like they were dating. Yeah, I heard someone say that. They're yeah. not, obviously, but... <laughs> no, no. God. It's just like, oh. Uh, but no, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, I did like that. I did like the little puppet show. Oh, yeah, he was he was brilliant. I mean, he is a puppeteer and a magician. What I found really weird, though, is when we see him shuffling the cards and cutting the deck and stuff, they don't do a wide shot on that. They just shoot his hands. Yeah. So it looks like it isn't him doing it, but it is him doing it. What did you think of the random musical number? Um, I do find it really weird that we get... So I wish Russell T. Davis would just shut the fuck up. In, in some things because he writes something that i like and i think oh that was an interesting choice and then i hear him on unleashed going oh well i did it because da, 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 da. and i just think okay i do you know what i actually was thinking about this i thought there was something that's been that i'm i've just it's just been unsettling me or something i've not liked about these specials and it is it's everything else it's not it's not the show itself it's the behind the scenes of all of it i don't mind like seeing how you know like how wild blue yonder was being filmed because you'd see behind the scenes of how they doubled them up yeah and sort of very clever camera like you know so like with doctor who confidential but i hated doctor who confidential after a point because it became it became a bit pointless but now it seems to be a, a platform for Russell T. Davis to just come out with such bollocks. See, I just choose to ignore that. I do watch behind the scenes, but it's only because I like learning about the ins and outs of how they film it rather than... Do you know what's weird? Is that I didn't know at all about the whole... Apparently, the toy maker was racist and it was celestial is a, is a, is a racist term. Oh, he taught yeah. us all that. A majority of people didn't know what he was talking about. He then mentioned, brings it up in the interview, and then it's a t- huge talking point. Like Davros being in a wheelchair and other things like that. All these different, all these mountains being made because he fucking talks in interviews. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, and you know that Spice Up Your Life song? It's got the lyric, Yellow Man from Timbuktu. <laughs> that's saying that's the fact, like everybody was complaining about Neil's German accent, but it was written to be bad. Yeah, he was taking the piss. He was literally taking yeah. the piss. It seems like Russell didn't has to justify everything he does. Oh, I did this because we don't care, Russell. Just, just. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. I, I've gone off the man in many ways because I think he's quite. I've probably controversial to say this, but I've never. Th- well, I've said before. I don't think he's the god of television. I don't think everything he writes is gold. He may have. Ri- he has written some brilliant things in his time. Some episodes of Doctor Who, The Second Coming. I've not seen It's a Sin, but I've heard that's excellent. I didn't like years and years. Oh, I loved I loved years and years. <laughs> I just find that he's I don't he's just that doesn't I don't find him believable in some things that he says. Like it's very I think he's a bit of a hypocrite in a in a way. Like uh, <laughs> and it's and comes up with ways to sort of sound as if he's an ally to all. But I don't I can't believe that. 
I just, I, I suppose it's like seeing the worst of people. It's like suspecting Mr. Rogers had a dark side, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe I'm just too cynical, but I just find there's an arrogance about him at the moment. Like he knows his own like worthiness, if you get my meaning. And I think that's his bit, that's bringing him down a bit. Because it brings, you know, like Christopher Eccleston even said, that, you know, in his <laughs> wonderful uh, rendition of the one day I'll be back uh, sort of moment. <laughs> one day I'll be back, but you have to sack Russell T. Davis. <laughs> sack uh, Julia Carlin. <laughs> and I'm just saying there must be some smoke, uh, a fire for this smoke to occur. And I sort of find that some of the things he puts out there is just to please people just to get them on side. I think I saw on Twitter someone actually said this, and I and I kind of think it's true. I don't, you know, I uh, I don't hate Russell T Davis, but in any way, so I'm not trying to really really pick him apart. But I I just don't buy this whole he's the ally to everybody kind of regime uh, routine that he's doing. And uh, but he but someone on Twitter said he's saying things to please a few people, but he backfoots on the other. Like he's in the past, like he said, I don't, I didn't condone. I think he said there was something about he doesn't like, he told Shooty Gutwire off for swearing in the costume. But he was perfectly fine with John Barrowman getting his cock out and flapping it around like it was a windmill. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, where, where's the line drawn? It's, it's, I just, I just don't get it. It's, I, I really do not get the appeal for it because I don't think these specials were the best thing ever written. I thought they were good entertainment, good bit of television, but I don't think the worship status that people have, like RTD2, uh, RTD is going to restore the balance. It's, it's not fucking Star Wars, mate. <laughs> he's uh, he's just another writer who's like, well, like other writers, like even Stephen Moffat. I don't think Stephen Moffat has flaws. All writers have flaws, and I think Russell's got several of them. And uh, I don't I don't like this hero worship kind of thing they're going with at the moment. And I've got, and I, that's, I refuse to watch this documentary because I just feel that that's just, you know, it's, it's it's enough saying, well, you've written a lot of good stuff, but it also feels like you're just he's a celebrity in his own right, and I I just think that's I don't like that. I guess there is an element of that now because he is more famous than when he took on Doctor Who. When he mm. took on Doctor Who, he was the queer as folk guy. People didn't necessarily know his name, but they knew he yeah. wrote queer as folk. Whereas now my mum knows who Russell T. Davis is because she loved it to sin. So I think there is a slightly raised celebrity profile that he's got now that he didn't have when he was writing Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, and that's totally. not me saying that fans didn't know who he was and fans didn't treat him like a god when they saw him. But I think that's been turned up to 11 now. And guys, I'm really sorry to do this, but I really need a wee. So <laughs> keep talking about Russell T. Davis and I'll be right back. Anyone who claims tries to act woke these days just raises alarm bells to me see i quite like him so i think he, i think he's a good writer in some ways i just don't worship him i i see him as kind of the doctor who fan that has risen above the rest <laughs> of us like he he's managed to get there and i salute him in the way that he's managed to do it mm. and he does he does write some good stuff like personally i prefer Stephen Moffat's who writing because I prefer the scary stuff rather than the yeah kind of cheesy stuff. Mm. But I did like years and years, and I do like how when he does like the like alternate like reality type things and seeing things from a different POV. That's what put me off years and years actually because I got a couple episodes in and I just thought 
it felt very much like a, this horrible nihilistic view of the the world like uh you know like this is the worst case scenario that will happen i found yeah. that just too de- i suppose when i watch tv i just don't want to be reminded of that prospect yeah no i'll get you i do get you yeah and it felt like you know it felt like being educated by someone on the left just telling you this is how shit the world is yeah and i saw like and i'm like it's not that shit it's it it could be worse <laughs> i think the victorian age had it worse than we have Yes, to an extent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I know we're heading back in that direction in some ways. Like the 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 class division is getting bigger, but uh, <laughs> soon we'll be back there. But I don't think it's as bad as years and years was making out, though. I just found it a bit too a bit too much of a. Uh, I, I suppose I suppose I had to be in the right. It's like I, I I've never watched Threads because I know how miserable it is. You know. <laughs> The thing that I, I appreciate is the fact that, I say, like I said before, Russell kind of started out at the bottom, and fair enough, he's got a little bit higher than mm. first intended, but in a way, he kind of deserves it. He's the one who brought back who? I suppose, yeah. As my child would say, this is not my level of speech. He is a goat, apparently, whatever that flipping means. Oh, greatest of all time. Apparently, that's my eight-year-old's impression of Russell T. Davis. And the thing is, the way I see it is if my eight-year-old looks up to Russell, Mm. there's worse people for him to be looking up to. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Like, (laughs) if if Russell aspires Noah to Mm. get into filming or acting or writing or anything to do with screen stuff i salute it that's another reason why i'm glad they've brought back the behind the scenes stuff i I find i just don't know i just find that the behind the scenes stuff is now devaluing it's uh it's not necessarily breaking it down as it it's not like the thing i had a problem with the original confidential was after a point they ran out of interesting topics to talk about Mm. And it just ended up being the same shot of an explosion about five times to a Coldplay song. The way the way they're using this one now is one hundred percent a recruitment drive. I mean, yeah, because they keep just... being like like the the dude goes around to different jobs within the um, department to filming, but it's not like they haven't gone straight to the editors and stuff like that. They've started off with like the people who sort out the wires and oh, like, that's pretty good. And the people who hold the boom mic. That's interesting. They've started out at the bottom at the jobs that the kids could step into to start doing mm. this stuff, which I, I 100% salute them for doing. Yeah. That's where it benefits. I think a show behind the scenes is great for that sort of thing. But what I, I'm not enjoying is that it's. We had it with the Star Wars films. It was the interviews afterwards had to almost explain <laughs> yeah. what we just watched or add to it. And uh, and I find that ruins it a bit. Like um, by generation, which I suppose we'll get onto in a minute. That you know, we're still not entirely sure what that entails and what it what it means at all. Um, but then, when you, just when you think you got your head around it, Russell says something completely different on the interview, so <laughs> you get thrown again. Yeah, see, that's one thing I didn't like. You know, the whole when he started um, saying that every doctor has by bi- no, because yeah. I feel like. I like that. I like the fact that this was kind of a unique situation because it kind of makes the emotions that you felt when your doctor left irrelevant. Yeah. Do you get me? It's like when five died. Not that anybody but me cared. Like 
after you got distracted by certain elements in that thing. But I don't in my head want to now envision him kind of just waking up by the caves of Androzoni and just being like, oh, well, happy days. Where's Teddy? <laughs> no, exactly. I, I think it's only, I'm only prepared to say it's in this perspective. It's literally just happened in this one instance. That's the way I've justified it in my head. But the, and also, because uh, I think the thing that I, I think concerned me to begin with when I first saw it was, does that mean there are now two strands heading off now? So Tenant will regenerate elsewhere. He could have his own spin-off if need be, and the show could continue with him, but it could also continue with Shooty, uh, which would undermine Shooty completely. That yeah. was my first initial response Well, to apparently it. he's turned well... He ne- I never believe anything Russell says anymore, to be fair. Um, but apparently he's turned around and said, oh, um, apparently David's not coming back, and I'm like... Mm. I don't, I'm hoping he never does. <laughs> I think the thing that... I I, I I expressed this concern on the podcast I've done on Dripping Hartnell, and that's the fact that when the viewing figures start dropping, they just go, oh, look, David's here. Drop him back in. You know, because they can. I'm not saying that they would, but I just... I just when they saw that Jodie's stuff wasn't selling, they started putting 10 in with her, and then it sold, and I don't want yeah. David to become that doctor. But I do think they've so oversaturated a bit because... The viewing figures, although they're higher, are not as good as they could have been. Mm. I don't think they're going to put him back in the main show unless it's an anniversary. And also, they're not going to give a spin-off to a previous Doctor. It's just such a stupid idea to do it. I reckon what they'll do with David is, if this unit spin-off happens, is he'll essentially be... You know, like when Matt Smith randomly showed up in Sarah Jane or when mm. Capaldi showed up in that one episode of Class, um, I reckon they'll just be like, like, the Doctor's here. Yeah, it'd be like the episode of Frasier when someone from Cheers turns up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the same universe. Yeah, you expect the audience to go, <laughs> He'll be in like episode one or episode two of Unit to set yeah. it up and they, they've already set up that Catherine Tate is going to work for them with the bi generation. I don't like the idea that every doctor has suddenly woken up because no. where's the peril there. And where, you know, the, the heart wrenching thing about a regeneration is your doctor was ending. Yeah. It just, it, it basically, they just, it's just turning around and going, yeah, your, your feelings for that doctor were irrelevant. It's like, well, cheers. So is this the Doctor that's going to go on and become the creator, maybe the Valiard at some point? That was the theory we had, was that he would now regenerate backwards, and that's how 4 becomes a curator, because he'll, like, if when 14 goes, he'll become Jodie again, and then Jodie will become the curator, yada, 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 yada. Because then that explains 6 and 4, both having been curators. Mm. Or is this more like Buffy, where, you know, Buffy died, then Kendra got activated, and then Kendra died, Faith got activated. And then when Buffy died again, there wasn't another Slayer because Faith was already there. So is this 14's life done? I don't think they would do that. No. It's almost like, so is he good? Yeah, because the only way I sort of rationalised in my head was that, so essentially... Because, as Shooty Gutwa says in there, that the reason why he's got his old face back and the reason why he's he's just run down and knackered <laughs> and stressed out and needs to like most of us in real life, yeah, yeah, just needs to <laughs> needs to take a break 
and sort himself out for him to go on. So essentially that would mean that Shooty, although he appeared at that moment, they didn't split into exactly he's essentially a few like a a future like some some point in the future coming out of him at this at that point in time. So therefore Tennant has to go and rehab but <laughs> you see what I mean? I mean, I'm thinking about it. He goes, this concept is fucking annoying. <laughs> Put all the trauma in one like doctor, and then have the other one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that Charlie Day meme. You know, when he's got all the um, lines going across the board, and he's there, he's like going, just trying to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. What about the whole making another TARDIS? Crap. That was. I think it would have worked a lot better if it hadn't created a separate TARDIS. Why did he not? Because have they not grown TARDISes before? Mm, I don't know. There's a deleted scene. Yeah, when they gave him a bit of the TARDIS to grow a new one. So why did they not just do that? Don't know. No? Would that not have made more sense? I'll say this, though. The one thing that made me accept... Like, because when the bi regeneration thingy happened, I was a little bit like, uh? And then as soon as... um. 15 was about to run away without saying goodbye and i was like oh i see he's the doctor <laughs> like do you know actually that was the one thing that, rash- that i rationalized quite quickly well was uh although i didn't like the bi generation it gave shooter gatwa about 15 minutes of play true which is more than most doctors get in their last yeah scene. normally you get about two three yeah. seconds and then and then the audience is left going oh what are they gonna be like i don't know you know, yeah. and uh, wait until Christmas to find out. Mm. <laughs> Just creates a lot of people then speculating based on looks only. Yeah. And then, um, but they gave him in moments. I was like, "Oh, he is good." Yeah. yeah. I just thought, "Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I like this. I like this. I really liked it's him." All the clips they've been releasing of him as well. I'm like, "Oh, yes." Oh, he's got it. He's got that twinkle in his eye. Even Penny said she really likes him and can't wait for Christmas. Do you know where he just feels? older he's got that kind of oldness in his eyes if that makes any sense he's got that experience in his eyes he didn't he didn't he could have done it played it like matt smith you know with arms flailing around and everything but it's a level he of maturity didn't. The, yeah the bit where he's telling david tennant to the the 14 to to settle down he's got his hands behind his back and he turns yeah. around. There's no extreme movement in anything he does in that scene, except you're captivated just watching him talk and things. And uh, and and he just has this like wisdom about him, yeah. which I just thought that's brilliant, that's amazing. But I just loved like even straight from the off. I mean, yeah, okay. When he stood, first of all, like, there was, there's a fun side to him. He goes, "I have by generated." You know, I'm not going to do a full accent because they'll just come across racist. Um, but um, the uh, um, but it. There were moments in there, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a fun guy. But mostly, I just loved that that I, I bought that he was the Doctor straight away. And the manner, the mannerisms, it's when he says at the end to Donna, and he says, "Okay, kid, well, I love you, but get out," yeah. and then just flicks a switch. And with the smoothness, <laughs> the smoothness of just pointing at the when he points at the console as it's taking off, I just thought, yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good, mate. Uh, I'm really, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he takes off. I just love that when they're throwing those balls around, all I could think is, well, Tennant's balls are flying, flying around in those, That's true. <laughs> in those trousers. Oh, cause... yeah, because he's, he's lost his boxers, yeah. 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 I didn't notice that at first that they split the clothing. And then when I watched it again, that effect is still brilliant. 
when they split and the and the outfit because he's in the one outfit and then just splits and he's got the two and i was like that's really cleverly done and it was tenant that decided what items of clothing he was going to inherit yeah was he embarrassed was he embarrassed by his legs originally he originally he didn't have a top on yeah oh blimey yes he might be the most <laughs> in shape doctor we've ever had yeah those quads jesus do you remember when he oh well shooty yeah oh yeah no it was like um even down to like that he's got a bit of muscle on him as well i reckon he's got a i'm not gonna dwell i'm not gonna dwell on it <laughs> as i as i as i hold my tits in my hands uh... <laughs> it's christmas mate it's christmas let him swing yeah but it's been an all-year christmas mate um <laughs> we were literally uh, just talking about christmas these are last though. year's tits <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> No, he's a good, really good shape. But the funny thing is that David Tennant's been going on like he's in his fifties, and he's like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. But he's the stunts he did in that was incredible. Like the, all the all the maneuvers he did in that in these specials has been like some people can't even do it now. I can't do it now in my thirties. <laughs> I can do it now, and I'm on my second hip replacement. <laughs> so, what did you make uh, about the end of the world coming down to a game of catch? See, I like that. Because it sounds like the stupidest thing, but as a, well, no, you probably get this as well. As a parent, <laughs> the fact that they won by playing catch, I kind of hope it, it sounds like the stupidest thing, but I kind of hope it makes kids want to go outside and play catch. And that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. Play a game of catch to save the world. But do you yeah. know what I mean, though? It's not very often you see kids outside playing with a football, not round my way anyway, and I'm London, so... They're all yeah, looking I can't at get it, my kids they're off They're playing Playstations and all this stuff. So even in my head, even if it just ignites all those young, geeky Doctor Who fans that go outside and play catch, all for them. Oh, come on. They haven't got the coordination for that. Oh, they can try. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, at first I was like, oh, is that what it comes down to? I think I was just disappointed because Neil Patrick Harris wasn't in it as much as I was hoping. Mm. But um, his demise wasn't too bad. I found it was just too quick in the episode. It did feel like, oh, fuck, we've got 10 minutes left. They go quick, yeah. Yeah, but that happens with a lot of Russell stuff, I've found. Oh, yeah, it's a very wrap-up finish, yeah. yeah. But um, the to be honest, though, the Toymaker lost the first game because the Doctor did a shit impression of him. That's true. I, I always thought the ending of the Celestial Toymaker was <laughs> complete bollocks. <laughs> it, it was, uh, no one will ever know. It's amazing. He just he goes he he just says, "Oh, well, he said things in a certain tone of voice." So I thought I'd try and replicate it. Which or is okay because I've been invisible throughout this whole thing. Nobody will ever know I wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, when he was doing all of those voices, I thought it was because the first Doctor tricked him by imitating his voice. Hmm. Ah, oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I like that. I like that idea. That more than that. That makes more sense to me than we wanted him to be slightly racist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was a weird thing. I do you know? I don't know why they wrote that. In. Do you know? I didn't notice this till the second time around that they added the he was made him a bit racist at the beginning. Oh yeah. Oh, you're used to sunnier climates. Nobody says that anymore, mate. I couldn't even hear it. So at the first time around, so I didn't really uh, notice it. And then uh, the second time, I was like, what is that line in there for? And then I heard that he goes, oh, well, the, well you know, the, the, the celestial toy maker is a, is a complete racist, you see. And um, and just uh, like, no, he isn't. What are you talking about? 
and then suddenly someone goes on a Twitter tirade explaining, uh, actually, yes, uh, the word celestial is a, uh, a derogatory term. I was like, Russell, we didn't even know this happened. Uh, just, just shut your mouth. I saw a very interesting Twitter thread, and I can't remember who posted it. I should have bookmarked it. Yeah, I saw but a few. It was this person breaking down how nobody considered the toy maker racist until like the mid 90s. Yeah. And, and the yes. reasons why. And it was like expanded media that brought that into the character. And now, whenever you ask the Doctor Who fan about the toy maker, they will say he's racist. See, I didn't even know that because I had a life. <laughs> you know I, I i'm i i don't even know what looms are and i'm happy with that fact i'm never gonna read longborough i don't want to the line that got me though is donna saying do you come and arrange your colors yeah, that's hilarious because that line just completely contradicts this whole idea that russell's like trying to be you know we tried to keep you know, we we brought back the toy maker and made a big deal out of him being racist, and then we'll just throw a casual, a bit, little tongue in cheek line from Donna, which I thought, what? <laughs> See, and I know what he's going for. He's going that you know, when we first met Donna, she was marrying a black guy. When we catch up with her years later, she's married to a mixed race guy. She's got a mixed race child, so she can't be racist. I've got mixed race kids. I would never say that. True. No, yeah, it, it reminded me of the old uh, "Only Fools and Horses" line, where I think he's talking about the the black dolls. Because one of them, <laughs> one of them is black. And he goes, "Blah, we got more colours than jelly babies, or something like that." <laughs> you know, that, that, that's all line. I thought, well, that won't that won't fly today. Donna, <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> this for? The one scene that did make me giggle, and I'm sure it wasn't supposed to, was when Donna got attacked by the puppet. Oh, that was excellent. <laughs> Do you know that was pure nightmare fuel? Yeah, it should have been, but for some strange reason, I found it hilarious. And it's saved by Donna just going, hello, I'm Donna, and I think you're a goner, and bashes the fuck out of it. I love it so much. It was such a good sequence. That whole sequence was nightmare filled, but Donna fighting it was just, it just, it saved it. Uh, I, I haven't actually let William watch any after, you know, him being accidentally watching <laughs> our Blue Yonder. So, uh, and uh, me and Liz were watching it on our own and said, yeah, we definitely can't let him watch this. See, I have and- that kid that loves the scary stuff. So he was in his element. He told me off when I started laughing at Donna beating up the doll. <laughs> that was so, it was so terrifying, but brilliantly turned into comedy. I just thought that was a master, master stroke of uh, filming that. The behind the scenes are really good on that bit because they show how they did it. And it's basically like four blokes in real skin tight black outfits. Yeah. <laughs> puppeteering oh. the thing across. And then they're complaining about if they have a cheeseburger for lunch, everybody can see that they have a cheeseburger for <laughs> lunch. Like the suits on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What do we make about Donna and the Doctor's ending in this? Do we, do we like the fact that he's settling down and having a happy life? Do we like that Donna's happy and in a good place? I like that Donna's happy. I I just I don't I feel it's too open for cameo appearances. I, I feel like it needed more of knowing that one day he's either gonna become Shooty Gatwa or he just dies. <laughs> you know, to to ensure that this line of the doctor doesn't continue because it just looks like they've just split into a fork in the road. And I, I that's so to me it feels like Shooty's a bit of a spin-off. That's the concern I have about it. See, I don't feel like I don't feel like 14's the doctor anymore. 
Because in my mm. eyes, if he was the doctor, they would have all come out, had like started eating the food, and then they would have been like, "Oh no, we need to get this." And then for some strange reason, everybody would have gone in, and he would have gotten his TARDIS and buggered off. Yeah, so actually, that being said, the fact that when Shooty appeared, I didn't think about Tennant as much. In fact, mm. Tennant became a secondary character quite totally. quickly. And that was that was impressive. That's just showing how good Shooty Gutwell was yeah. in his performance. I'm oh, well excited so good. for the special, though. Well excited for the Christmas special. Even if it has got... Even if it just looks like the plot from Labyrinth, I'm still excited. Mm. It does mm. look like that. I'm I'm very interested. You know, I, I grew up reading comics. DC was my favourite comic range, Superman especially. And every five to ten years, you get a big reboot where they would create a jumping on point for new readers. But every so often, it would create a jumping off point for a bunch of other people. And I think if this is a bunch of Doctor Who fans jumping off point, it's quite a satisfactory end for them. Yeah, I thought for both of them, it it felt quite nice. And um, But yeah, I I don't know. I just kind of want to, I just want to know this bi-generation thing works, especially when they go and say it means huge things for the future. And Shooty even said that in the Graham Norton. So I'm sort of, I'm hoping it's not that big of a deal. Because <laughs> so I just want it to carry on with the 15th Doctor. I don't want to think about 14 again. Yeah. Maybe there's no immediate plans, but they just like having that in their back pocket. Yeah. So like, oh, maybe, you know, for the 70th with William Mount or, you know, for Unit, I could, I could 100% see them whacking him and Donna in say episode three of unit yeah and then maybe we don't see them we'll get a lot of press about how oh there's this new unit show david Tennant in episode three and then we'll see what happens but we'll see what happens i mean the the christmas day one might be a massive flop it's the disney numbers that i'm most interested in but we will mm. never know mm. them because then they have to pay people properly <laughs> so they, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. ever publicly reveal them and then they can't you know and i'm not just saying disney does this all streamers do this they don't publicly say they will say if it does exceptionally well um but if it's just kind of doing okay they they just don't reveal the numbers but you know even if one percent of the disney plus audience watch this that's about 10 million viewers mm. yeah so I've been listening to the audiobook of this, the Target novelization. The BBC were very kind to send it to us. And I'm enjoying it, but it hasn't really added anything to the overall story yet. You get a bit more from the toy maker. Well, that's a shame, because normally the Target novels right. really uh, so. spread things out, don't they? Yeah, you see it a lot more from his point of view, and when he's setting stuff up, and it's basically his diary. Right, most okay. Of it. So I'm only halfway through now, so it might massively turn around and I might love it. It might explain the bi-generation a bit more. Yeah, I, the, the more I think about it, the more this episode needed to be two parts. We needed the Star Beast to get Donna back in with the Doctor, and then we should have had two parts with seeing the world go to shit and then the resolution. I love seeing Trinity Wells in this. She's like, you know, very subtle anti-vax uh, yeah. parallel there. Yeah. You, probably, you probably didn't pick up on it. It was so, you know, so subtle. Oh, no, I picked up on it. I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great to see her back. Um, I hope we see her again moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I would say we've probably taught this episode to death. <laughs> so we will be back in the new year to talk about the Christmas special. Do either of you have anything to promote right now? Krampus knocked. Um, 
Uh, that wasn't just me randomly saying some German words. <laughs> uh, we have our Metal Doctor Christmas special um, coming out on the 27th uh, on TT Productions. And we also have Oliver Twist out on the 24th. So TT Productions. Oh, oh, that's the one I'm most looking forward to, I think. Oliver Twist. Oliver's fun because um, I tried to tell it from a different POV. Um, so, yeah. Look forward to that one. <laughs> oh, excellent. Chris, anything on the pipeline? Um, I think there's probably one more uh, Len the Taxi Driver before the end of the year. Um, <laughs> oh, I love those so much. They do they're, uh, they're, good, they're good fun. I, like I say, I use them to vent, but also rationalize them into sensible thought <laughs> and try and get uh. a good vibe. I just, I like it. I sort of just take what I think would just be an average bloke who you think is going to say something like, Oh, I don't like uh, pronouns, but then it immediately contradicts that. Yeah, you know, so because I don't want to be cancelled. Um, oh, mainly also <laughs> because it also turns it on its head. It's a nice new way of. It's a way of me pro- uh, processing how I feel and trying and playing devil's advocate with myself. And also, I think it's also a bit of fun. What's not to like about? What's not to like about a bloke driving along going? <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> who's, who's really funny. Uh, I'll link your TikTok below. Oh, thank you. If other people want to catch something that I did ages ago, uh I haven't shared it on Twitter yet. Uh because I haven't got any editing software to put the thing to put a little teaser together or anything. But um we did the Christmas Carol uh, a few years ago, which is uh, on my YouTube. Oh, uh, of course. With uh what if Patrick Troughton played Ebenezer Scrooge? Uh, Christopher Eccleston played Bob Cratchit. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> David Tennant as the Ghost of Christmas Present. Yeah. Peter Capaldi voicing for the first fourth time the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, and also Alia, uh, who uh, is no longer, I think, on Twitter, but she did a fantastic Thirteenth Doctor, uh, Jodie Whittaker as the Ghost of Christmas Past, and we've also got John Coleshaw in there as um <laughs> playing john pertwee as uh, as uh, jacob marley almost said bob marley i always do that <laughs> uh you know <laughs> and and also tom baker as fezziwig but the one that really always gets me is that i did a see there's some scenes in there where bell ebenezer's love from ye- uh, yesteryear we got katie manning in for that and she hey. as as Joe as Joe Grant playing it, and honestly, those scenes are fantastic. So yeah, if you're up for a Christmas, uh, a nice little Christmas uh, fun hour, then uh, yeah, check that out. It's very good. I'll link that below. And before we go, listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to say goodbye now. But somebody called Sam sent in a nine minute voicemail message about his opinion on Doctor Who. I, I don't know who this is. Never heard of him before. <laughs> But listeners might enjoy it. Hello there, Running Down Corridors team. I'm sorry I can't be with you tonight, but unfortunately, Martin made a mistake when trying to collect me from the time scoop. I'm now stuck in a time warp somewhere in Cambridge, riding on the back of a punt. Uh, Yes, I said punt. Anyway, this is my review of the latest Doctor Who episode, which was the third in three specials, or was it the third in fourth specials? Or is this next Christmas one a start of something new, right? 
I don't know. In fact, I found myself saying I don't know quite a lot throughout watching that last episode. I think I'm going to say what a lot of people did, and that is that the first 40 minutes was brilliant. The reintroduction of the, the, the toy maker was fantastic, very mysterious. Everything that happened with him in that shop, with the puppets, uh, with the realm and um, 14 and Donna stuck in his game was just fantastic. And seeing the 14th Doctor in real fear of seeing the toy maker again, just, just, just brilliant. Some iffy things, don't get me wrong, not all that first 40 minutes was perfect. The little show that the toy maker put on to sort of keep Donna up to date with what the Doctor's been up to, a bit strange, you know, Amy dead and then Bill and Clara, and then he just decided not to mention Ryan, Yaz or Graham, <laughs> which is quite funny. But why did he feel the need to explain this to Donna? Donna has been inside the Doctor's head. She knows exactly what's been going on since she last saw him. So we didn't really need that explained, did we? Or are we assuming that people are just tuning into this one episode? I don't know. Very, very strange. Having said that, it was all coming together really nicely. Uh, I thought the stuff with um, what was going on on Earth was really cool. Um, the unit stuff was quite interesting. Good to see a little bit more from um, Jenna Redgrave as an actress. Uh, bringing back Mel was good fun. Always good to have Bonnie Langford there. And I assume that this is going to be some sort of unit family for a spin-off going forward on Disney+. Plus. I, I don't know. Potentially with cameos from David Tennant and Catherine Tate as well. So, all fine. And I was looking forward to a really fun resolution, especially knowing that Shooty Gatwell was on the way as well. And then we got the bi-generation. Before we get onto that, I just want to say that what an anti-climax the whole ball-throwing game thing was. Just, is that it? He's the most powerful being we've ever seen in years and years of the show, and all he did was drop a ball. Maybe it's leading to something down in the future, I don't know. Maybe it was a trap, we don't know. Maybe, I imagine Neil Patrick Harris and this character will come back, but we'll see. However, if that is the end of it, it was just a game of catch. There's so many better ways they could have done it. We've seen before, when the Doctor regenerated into the Tenth Doctor, he lost his arm in a sword fight and grew it back because he was regenerating. I'd rather have seen something like that. David Tennant becomes Shooty Gatwell and Shooty Gatwell used something to do with re regeneration to outsmart the toy maker, which would be, which would make sense because, you know, it would be the toy maker's fault for killing the 14th Doctor and then having a regenerating Doctor trick him at his own game. But no, we got this bi-generation thing and I haven't got a problem with the bi-generation per se. If it had been any other Time Lord or even the Master, it wouldn't really bother me, but for Doctor Who, it just doesn't sit right for me. And it's purely from a, sort of from the point of view of the actors and having faith in this new Doctor. All I could think of, really, was all these compilations people put together, you know, every regeneration from William Hartnell to Patrick Troughton onwards. Imagine going through them in many years' time and seeing this very random moment that Shooty Gatwa appears pushing himself out of David Tennant. This was a real issue for me, purely from a production point of view, because Shooty Gatwa's got very big shoes to fill now. He's not replacing Jodie Whittaker like we thought he was. He's replacing the 14th Doctor, played by arguably the most famous, the most popular uh, actor to ever play the role, David Tennant. I felt like this was a great opportunity for passing of the torch. Um, the 14th Doctor's been a really good character, I think. 
he's essentially the tenth doctor fixed the tenth doctor was heartbroken still off the back of the time war had a lot of loss and he really was not ready to go he had so much more to do when he died however the 14th doctor seems a lot more relaxed a lot more comfortable in their own skin they say things like i love you um and most of all they the most heartbreaking thing that happened to them losing donna well he got her back you know that one thing that broke his heart it's fixed so i felt like the 14th doctor was kind of complete and to die and say the words we'd all wanted to hear which was i'm ready to go would have been a beautiful ending to not only that doctor whether it be the 10th and the 14th but also that whole era of the quote-unquote new doctor who new who so to speak it would have been a perfect ending to it i felt like this is what these these specials have been they've essentially been a hurrah a goodbye to new who going into quote-unquote new new who so it would have been a perfect ending to bring back Donna, have a happy ending and have the 14th Doctor, you know, again, probably the most popular actor to play the role during the New Who era, be content as a character and say goodbye. And then pass the torch on to Shuti Gatwa for a brand new era of the Doctor's life. But we didn't get that. Instead, we've got the 14th Doctor hanging around and it does feel a little bit like he is the real Doctor and Shuti Gatwa is kind of like a B-team Doctor. I mean, during their whole bits that they were together, the 10 minutes we saw of Shuti Gatwa, he just felt like the Doctor's sidekick. It was still David Tennant in the lead. I don't... It's bizarre that we've had 10 minutes of the 15th Doctor, but it doesn't feel like we've actually met him yet. He was completely overshadowed by the 14th Doctor, and that's the fault of the writers, because we've had three episodes building up this 14th Doctor. We're in love with him again. We're in love with him and Donna again. So why do we want this new guy to just pop up? It feels very, very strange, and dare I say it, when they went their separate ways at the end, I felt like most of the audits would probably want to stick around with David Tennant and Catherine Tate, see what the 14th Doctor gets up to next. And also, I don't buy this whole 14th Doctor bought this face back because they were a bit knackered and fancied a rest. What? No. Of all the Doctors, that is not the Doctor that wanted to stick around. I mean, we saw in the last episode how excited the Doctor was to just be in these dangerous situations. And when he tried not to think about it, it made him more agitated. And he had to get into all his exploring mode and jump around the room and get excited about the danger. But now we're just suddenly being told, oh, actually, that doctor's a bit knackered, needs a rest. Made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, how many versions of this doctor have we got now? Metacrisis doctor, 10th doctor's out there somewhere. The 10th doctor that met in the 50th anniversary, we've now got this one as well. It's just... I just felt a bit lost. And all of this, this should have been an ending, a proper, proper finale ending for this era of Doctor Who. And it just feels like, oh, who knows? If you subscribe to Disney Plus, you might get yourself another David Tennant series. But, oh, by the way, Shooty Gatwa, this new bloke, he's here at Christmas. So, yeah, mixed feelings, really. Very mixed feelings about this. I feel like we really needed to let go of this Doctor. We needed to let go of this new Who era of the show. And it very much feels like we've done the opposite of that. 
and I feel a little bit for Shooty Gatma as an actor, and I feel for the new era coming forward, that it's going to be overshadowed by what we've just had. But we'll see. I'm very uh, excited for the Christmas special. Mm-hmm.